2: FM Talk Podcast. So, I've been following
0: redistricting very closely. Are you interested in this kind of stuff? I sure hope you are because I love it. I love the strategy of it, I love the court battles. It's a weird thing to love, but I guess I'm in the right industry because I follow it very closely. So, all of the redistricting that's been happening is because there was a new census in 2020. It was delayed because of coronavirus stuff. And so we're just now, I mean, people are right up against deadlines. But it it's basically official. All states are in. And the summary is that blue states were very aggressive in redrawing their maps. Now, we're talking about things that affect the Electoral College, the number of votes you get in the Electoral College in the redistricting. But the map drawing uh, determines... Who gets House seats? So if you draw very, very favorable seats to Democrats in your state, obviously you get more House seats federally in the U.S. House. Red states do that for Republicans, usually. Um, Some of the last states to get these things done were, oddly, Missouri and New York and Florida. And only, uh, and Maryland too, but New York and Maryland only because there have been court battles. There have been a little bit of court battles in Florida, but they didn't seem like they were serious and they weren't because they all lost. So DeSantis, very, very aggressive. They've added, I think, they've not only added population, so they added a seat naturally that way, but they've added, I think, four seats to the GOP's total. Now, before you get too excited, um, Red states were not as aggressive overall in adding seats through redistricting this year. I can't tell you why. I don't know why, because it seems to me across the board, Republicans have been emboldened in the last five to six years to not worry about what the narrative is and just to do it. That's the Trump effect, right? But that hasn't really played out statewide. Now, there have been some states that have been aggressive, like Florida. But blue states have been very aggressive, like Illinois, in adding Democrat seats even while losing population. My mind wants to go to so many places about illegal immigration and adding population because all of illegal immigration is still counted in the U.S. Senate or in the U.S. Census for redistricting, which makes no sense. But it also tells you why they're doing this at the southern border. I digress. Illinois stood. New York's, which was aggressive, and Maryland's, which were both aggressive for Democrats, did not. The court's threw them out, said you have to draw new maps. So they didn't quite get to where they wanted to be. So overall Democrats looked like they were going to add a lot of seats. Republicans were going to lose seats. And by lose, I mean, compared to the former map. It's not that there was going to be a a loss overall because Republicans still have the advantage, but just compared to the old seats, but that didn't happen. What happened was it ended up being almost the same after it all shakes out. So just wanted to update you on that. If you're interested in that kind of thing. Now, let me transition. Wow,
3: that's amazing. Wings, America. That is amazing.
0: Now, if you're a fan of Fast and Furious movies, you're going to poke holes in this because I think I the, overall, the number of Fast and Furious movies may have gotten a little bit wrong, but I think you'll appreciate the theme of... It's a fake movie trailer for a new Fast and Furious movie. So I think if you're a fan of the movie... Or the movie franchise you'll enjoy it if you're not a fan which i'm not really into them i know i'm aware of their existence and their fast cars and their fun movies but i am kind of poking fun up at the same time so here you
1: go let's get scripted
0: you've seen the fast and the furious and too fast too furious and the fast and the furious tokyo drift fast and furious fast five the sixth one the seventh one and the fate of the furious But you haven't seen anything yet. Now see the brand new feature film that incorporates certain elements of every single one of the eight films. Too Fast, Too Furious 2 The Fate of the Fast and the Furious 8 The Fast and the Furious 9 Or for short F2F2F-FFF8-FF9 Hashtag
1: 2F2F2-FFF8-FF9
0: It's got everything you love about car movies Including cars, girls, a Vin diesel guy, automobiles, and cars featuring 91% recycled footage from the first eight films and 9% brand new footage. Too Fast, Too Furious 2, The Fate of the Fast and the Furious 8, The Fast and the Furious 9. Brought to you by Anderson RV Company, the RV company of the future. Welcome back to Wiggins America. Hopefully, you are having a great beginning to your weekend. It is time to play the game of lies. Live. We'll be looking at this weekend, right? Well, I'm glad you asked, Ryan, because it's all about Georgia's primary turnout. I actually wrote an article about this, but not about this aspect of the Georgia primary. Very, very interesting primary it was, because as you probably have heard, because the narrative was, and this was also included in my article. It was true. It, this is not part of, part of the game of lies. Is pointing out what's true. And part of it is, of course, pointing out what's a lies. It was a defeat for President Trump. That's true. He endorsed David Perdue for governor, lost that to Brian Kemp. Vice President Mike Pence endorsed Brian Kemp and won. So it was it was not just Kemp versus Perdue. It was Trump versus Pence. And in this case alone, Pence came out victorious so what's the lie here? I'm glad you asked that. It was not just a defeat for President Trump. It was also a defeat for President Biden. How so? Well, I'm looking at the Washington Post here. Democracy dies in darkness. In an opinion article here from the Washington Post says in January, Biden traveled to Atlanta where he delivered a poisonous speech calling Georgia's 2020 election law... Jim Crow 2.0. Do you remember this? That phrase made its way around the globe. Jim Crow 2.0. You can't enact these voter suppression laws. Republicans were engaged in an effort to, quote, suppress your vote to subvert our elections, unquote. And this got major play in media all over the country and even the world. Biden was thundering this. That's why they had to pass election laws at the federal level to protect us from these states that were trying to suppress people's votes, especially people of color. They're racists. He said, quote, that's the kind of power you see in totalitarian states, not in democracies, end quote. He compared Republicans to racists and traitors, accusing them of standing with George Wallace, Bull Connor, and Jefferson Davis, names that... Not everybody even knows. In fact, I think I had to look up half of those. When that happened, find out, oh, he's referring to a bunch of racists. Jim Crow 2.0, he called them. He said they were enemies of America. He said, quote, I will defend the right to vote. Our democracy against all enemies, foreign and, yes, domestic Unquote. the question before the American people was whether we choose democracy. Here's a, another quote: choose democracy over autocracy, light over shadows, justice over injustice. These were all things that the president was saying about one state's election laws. Then he declared, finally, quote, that this was not sorry, unquote. <laughs> he he declared that this was, quote, not hyperbole. This is a fact. Unquote. Now, we know what Biden said was untrue. So the game of lies in this one, Biden is the loser. Georgia held its first primary on Tuesday under its new election law, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, and saw record turnout far from suppressing the vote. Early voting came in at nearly triple Georgia's 2018 level. Four years ago, just under 300,000 people cast early in-person ballots during the midterm. This year, 857,000 Georgians cast in-person or absentee ballots during the state's three-week early voting period. That is a 212% increase over even 2020. That's a presidential year which usually boosts turnout just 326,000 voted early. The Post the Washington Post here reports that record-breaking turnout is undercutting predictions that the Georgia Election Integrity Act of 2021 would lead to a fall off in voting. Biden claimed that Republicans were targeting black voters According to the National Review, which cited data from the Georgia Secretary of State's office, at least 102,000 more black voters cast early ballots this year than in 2018, a more than threefold increase. So we're talking about early voting here, so not <clears throat> overall voting, but overall it was up. Or sorry, it was up overall. Um, I don't have all the statistics on total voting, but at least according to early voting. Uh, All numbers were blown out of the water this year by even 2020, let alone a midterm year, which usually you compare midterm to midterm and comparing those two, those two years, 2022 and 2018 huge increases. And usually you don't compare midterms to presidential years because the turnout's so much different, but even comparing this year to 2020, it was up. So all of those predictions, about voter turnout, you remember how the All Star Game, the MLB, moved the All Star Game out of Atlanta because these laws were so racist. It's amazing. I just don't know when we're going. What at what point do we decide that we're not going to listen to basically half of everything the mainstream media says? That's the trouble with it. Is that there's a, there's about half of it that's based in fact, even if their conclusion is wrong. But there's half of it that's just lies. I mean, this this whole story lasted weeks on weeks. I mean, you talk about the MLB moving the All-Star game out, and there were movies that were shut down that were supposed to be shot in Georgia. This was a big deal. Jim Crow 2.0. You remember this. This was a big, big news story. It was all lies. It was all lies because now, if you talk about election integrity, you're on the right. And if you... If you even approach the issue, you're considered conservative and conspiratorial, which I don't get. Why Why would that be a conspiracy to talk about making sure that elections are safe? These are issues that I think everybody would agree on. Now, how we do it would be different. But even the how in this instance was completely fine. So these people come out and they bait you into thinking that you're a racist or you're conspiratorial for believing things that are true and it's only in hindsight that we get to see how false they were so hope you enjoyed today's game of lies, the
2: the game game of lies. lies.
0: we playing the Game of Lies, and if you didn't take home any prizes this week, don't worry. This game is happening in real time, all the time. Lots of chances to play. More Wiggins America coming up. All right, I've been excited all morning and uh, teasing Roy about how, how nervous he's going to be to talk to the publisher of the real Anthony Fauci. Tony Lyons is on the phone with us. Thanks for being here, Tony.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So let's talk about uh, just some of the the big things that I know about the book. Now I have not read it. Roy has, and I wanted to do this that way because uh, I know about the book. I know about the sort of the cultural phenomenon that is the real Anthony Fauci, and this book has been against all odds a bestseller, right?
3: Yeah, I mean the book was censored in every conceivable way, so. Uh, if you'd like me to go through some of the ways, I, I can do that. But, Please do, yeah. So, sure. So, you know, when the book first came out, um, it was selling really, really well, and it did not get a re- review in any newspaper in the country. So it was totally – there was a, just a total media blackout. So, And then it was not carried in major bookstores – Barnes and Noble didn't have copies of it. None of the privately owned stores were, were carrying it. Uh, you were not allowed to advertise for it on any big tech platform. The New York Times refused advertising for it. And, you know, then there was a whole series of more than a dozen hit pieces against the author, just going at him in every way that they could, not even mentioning the book, but just trying to discredit the author. Um, Tony,
0: let me, then, let, me ask you this, let me ask you this. How do you think that happens? Is it, is it these people colluding with each other, or is it one person saying, you know what, I'm afraid to do this, and everybody just kind of does the same thing?
3: So I believe that they are colluding and that the sort of disinformation bureau that the government was thinking about putting in place and then, you know, uh, claims to have been canceled... I think that that's actually been in place throughout the pandemic and that they've all been coordinating together Mm. to sort of uh, stifle what they consider to be, or what they claim is misinformation. But basically misinformation is just anything that they disagree with. It's anything that doesn't follow a very specific narrative. And that narrative is not just, it, it, it's not just a political narrative. It's actually a, a corporate narrative. So it's, it, it seems to be geared towards helping big pharmaceutical companies maximize their return on investment at the expense of public health. And that's actually what the real Anthony Fauci is all about. It documents 50 years of corruption at the highest levels of the U.S. government. So the idea that the government claims that Bobby Kennedy saying that they're corrupt is misinformation, but they don't have to respond to it in any way. I mean, that's that's a terrible thing. That's un-American. And, you know, in a democratic country, when a serious person who brings out a serious book that has blurbs from doctors and scientists, even a Nobel Prize winning scientist, um, you know this is a book that has two thousand one hundred and ninety four citations, so the government shouldn't be allowed to just claim that this is misinformation. Send letters to big tech companies have have private meetings with big tech companies trying to get them to censor this book and lots of other books and to de platform doctors and scientists i mean this is this has to be uh, a, a plan and cohesive, sort of program to stifle dissent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, right, Tony. This is Roy here. Um, I did. I read the book and I um, was fascinated and angered and and everything else by it. Um, I wanted to ask you: Have you found that the um, the pushback on the on the book and on the and on the author specifically it it seems to me you're kind of getting hit by all sides because he's he's going against the um the talking points of the left the right historically uh robert kennedy's got a reputation among conservatives as being too liberal uh and he's not liberal enough for the other side so I found with a lot of my friends on the conservative side, they're not even willing to give the book a chance because it's written by uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Have you found that you're you're not finding friends on, on any side here with this book?
3: Well, so I get your point, but I think that, you know, what you have to look at is that this is a book that's the most censored book in recent history in this country, and yet it still sold more than a million copies. So people clearly are buying it. I don't think a lot of people on the left are buying it, but (laughs) clearly some are. So I would have to guess that the lion's share of the people reading and buying this book are conservatives. And, you know, I actually think that the fact that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you know, has been a Democrat all of his life gives more credibility to it on the right because they say, well, here's a guy who isn't trying to make money off his agenda. He is going against his own party. Why would he be doing this if he isn't making money, if it doesn't follow his sort of lifelong political views? then he must be doing it because he really believes it, because he thinks this is where the facts lie. This is what they prove. And, you know, he isn't in the end left or right. He's anti-corruption. He's anti-government corruption and corporate greed. And that sort of transcends political parties because we all should be against corruption.
0: We're talking with Tony Lyons. He is uh, part of Skyhorse Publishing, and he is the publisher of the Real Anthony Fauci. So let me ask you this: talk about some of the actual claims in the book, because that's where the rubber meets the road. Some of those that I'm reading here, and Roy's probably you know got way more than I do here, but just one of them: the headline uh, royalties totaling three hundred fifty million dollars were paid secretly to seventeen hundred pro-vaccine scientists. Now, when I say that. Uh, I have a check on myself that says, "Now make sure we're talking about facts here." But I'm talking about Robert Kennedy Jr. saying these things. The dude's plugged in. I mean, this is these are big claims made in this book. It is this, is this must be why it's censored so much.
3: Sure. I mean, at the very least, you know, in a, I mean, in a in a fascist country, the government can do all kinds of terrible things. They can collude with with big corporations to extract money you know, from the people, but in a democratic country, when somebody claims that, when a, when a well-respected, serious person spends a year of their life researching this corruption, and then the only response from these incredibly powerful people, I mean, if, if Dr. Fauci could defend himself, if he had a better argument, if he could prove that the allegations in this book weren't true, why wouldn't he do that? So, you know, that's a fascinating question. And it's, it's also fascinating to kind of look at the fact that he's being accused of making a ton of money through his corruption. Nobody's claiming, really, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is making money. He's doing this because he believes it. He's doing it based on principle. So, you know, there's a funny little story. Somebody from the New York Post called me, and then I asked them to email me and they you know they were trying to dig around and find out how much money Robert F Kennedy Jr was making on the book. So I emailed them back all the numbers of, you know, how many copies the book had sold and at the time it was something like 880,000 copies. But I said very clearly to them, Robert F Kennedy Jr isn't making one penny on this book. He's donating every cent of it to charity. So They still ran the headline that they probably decided on beforehand, Mm -hmm. which was that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. makes millions on his anti-Fauci book. So you see those kinds of claims coming from from all sides where the American people is being fed these narratives that are just not true, not about Bobby Kennedy, not about Fauci and, you know, not about the facts behind the pandemic response.
0: Tony Roy has another specific question about something he had read in the book.
1: Yeah, uh, one thing that that struck me with this book is that a lot of the 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 negatives that you that you've heard about it, like you've mentioned, um, focus specifically on on Doctor Fauci and the, and the pandemic. But there's so much more in this book. Uh, that that's fascinating in terms of, of, again, like you said, corporate corruption and governmental corruption and attacks on democracy. And um, is, is there something that, as a fan of the book, as someone who's read it, and I'm talking to other people, getting trying to get them interested in it, um, is there a way, from your perspective, to talk about this book as being more than just you know, a, a jumping on the the bandwagon of let's attack Anthony Fauci. It's it's there's much more information in there. Uh, how do we talk about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I would say that to a great extent, what this is a this is a book that looks at the collusion between government and big corporations of big pharmaceutical companies, where they work together at the expense of the. American people and at the expense of public health, both in the United States and all around the world. And they do it just for the money. So this is not about politics. This is about the agencies of government being captured by the companies that they're supposed to regulate. And that has nothing really to do with Fauci or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. It has to do with a With a system that doesn't work that's been destroyed and that has been co-opted to just make money and you know we've all heard of of you know decades and decades of of lobbying and of and of advertising to sort of extract as as much money as possible from the american people but i think that what this book shows is the extent of that corruption that it's sort of gotten to a point where it's a breaking point, where the American people are beginning to understand what's going on. And so the idea that the most censored book in America sells more than a million copies and that people are, you know, abandoning lots of the big tech platforms and flocking to platforms where they think there really is still some freedom of speech. And, and where, you know, there's so many stories of well-respected doctors and scientists who are kicked off Twitter, kicked off Facebook, kicked off YouTube, because there's only one narrative that is allowed. And that's the narrative that maximizes corporate return on investment. That that's what the country has come to, and that we need to sort of get rid of, the public health system as it works now. And we have to recognize that Dr. Fauci and people like him are actually working for the pharmaceutical companies and that the CDC is kind of working for the pharmaceutical companies. And and that, like you said, that really does transcend Fauci because it's a system that's been put in place. So if you get rid of Dr. Fauci, there's going to be somebody else.
0: Tony as we close things out here. Sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, no, no, just as we close things out, I what I hear you saying and if we're going to take away any hope from you know all the information that we're talking about but especially what's in the real Anthony Fauci by RFK is the hope that this era that we've lived in and we're still living in. I mean we haven't come out of this thing yet. And I'm not just talking about COVID, I'm talking about you know collusion, all the things you're talking about. That that there are a lot of people and it transcends left and right there are a lot of people right now who are waking up to things that have been going on in our government and beyond for a long long time
3: definitely i mean you are seeing millions and millions of hits on shows that have real dialogue where you can have a real discussion about what's going on versus this sort of de-platforming that's taken over any kind of dissent in this country Tony Lyons,
0: thank you so much for your time this morning. He's with Skyhorse Publishing. They were willing to take a chance on The Real Anthony Fauci. I'm so glad you did and so glad you could make it this morning. Thanks so much. All right. As we said before, old Roy and I recommend the book. We recommend The Real Anthony Fauci. I'm saying that just from what I've heard about it, but a lot of that is from you. So I appreciate the fact that you were willing to sort of sink your teeth into it and put the time into it. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's a it's very informative. Like I said, it talks about a lot of things beyond just COVID uh, that are that's eye-opening and infuriating. But uh, it's a lot of good information. I highly
0: recommend it. Well, let's let's uh, put a bow on this thing. We're going to take a short break. We'll come right back. We'll talk about a little bit more about that in depth. And we'll talk about how Roy cannot figure out how to silence his phone. We're going to probably try to solve that in the break. right right back here on Wiggins America. Wiggins America 97.1 FM Talk. Old Roy stuck around to finish out the show. We're just doing kind of a a wrap-up because all morning, you know, I've been looking forward to for a couple weeks when we booked this thing, talking to the publisher of The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr., that was that's uh, interesting stuff. I, I don't think that he blew me away with any like new information. I think we were t- more talking to him, you know, in hindsight about the fact that the book—not not necessarily the claims in the book—but about the fact that the claims in the book have caused people to react to the book and completely shut it down. Yet the thing still sold a million copies. So, is there anything in it though that just from talking to you in the past? That you're like, people should know this, and that's the reason people should go go get it and go read it.
1: I think the main thing, he mentioned that there's probably not a lot of people on the left buying this book. And it's because they don't know what's in it. They don't want to know what's in it because it's it's not going to look good on them. What I think my personal agenda is to get more people on the right to read the book a lot of very smart conservative people i know won't even pick it up because it's robert kennedy really well they view him as the 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 crazy environmentalist well, he is. or the yeah. or the uh, anti-vaxer but that's why it's so interesting that he would write this and he is that well on yes on one one hand that is true but the this is a problem i've found in the in the on the conservative side of things for a long time, is that there's this tendency to not want to be or or to be the um, the reasonable person in the room, right? As a conservative, you don't want to be associated with the fringe. Okay, I see what you mean. You know what I mean. So uh, even though it's it's a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, and and a Kennedy, you know, saying these things. There's this hesitation I found on a lot of conservatives to acknowledge it much in the same way with the election fraud. There were a lot of smart conservatives very cautious out of the gate as we don't want to be part of any fringe conspiracy theory. But the the thing is, the more I, I've learned about Robert Kennedy, I still don't agree with him politically, but he was he was never an anti-vaxer. He was an anti-corruption person. He was an anti-pushing things through without thoroughly vetting them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he got that label, that moniker, anti-vaxer, which now carries with it a connotation that you're a loon, and and that that's the biggest thing to overcome. Now, thankfully, I think, like he said, they've sold a lot of books anyway, which is great. But the people who need to be in the conversation, aren't buying into it yet. It's people like me. It's people who know that something's screwy, and we're looking for answers, who will pick up that book and read it. Yeah, I
0: think, though, that um, while I don't necessarily disagree with you, and a million copies is a lot of books for books. A million copies is not a lot of people that still have read it though yeah you know what i mean yeah like in the book world wow you sold a million copies that's great in the tv world you get a million viewers and you're like well that's a saturday (laughs) you know like that's there's that's still a, a very small portion of the population and so i think that's why i wanted to have him on not to like everybody in the world including me you got 15 books sitting on your shelf that you're like i need to read those and my book's one of the, I know that a lot of people have bought my own book and it's sitting on their shelf and they're like, yeah, I, I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. That's fine. I understand that. And this is one of those for me that it may not be on my shelf literally, but it's on my list of books that I want to read. And the more I talk to people like you and others who've read it, the more I'm like, man, I know this is going to be an ordeal because he's talking about stuff that goes back decades. It's not just COVID. He's talking about corruption that started probably in the late 70s and 80s mm-hmm. at the government level on a medical in the medical world because it's beyond that but he's talking about Fauci's career which is much longer than the last 3 years right and the things that he's been doing for years and the collusion between all these organizations and it's stuff that when you say it everybody kind of acknowledges Yeah, I understand that that's probably true. And there's a way in which maybe in the past that wasn't all evil. You know, the CDC working with the NIH doesn't necessarily mean, oh, they're all in dark rooms with spotlights and they're exchanging money. There's a way that that could have happened that wasn't evil. But what it's become is that it's not really any government. The government agency is supposed to be the oversight committee that's looking at the companies. Right. And in a lot of ways, in other industries, the government is doing that, and they take over that industry because they're so powerful that they can control it. In this one, it's the other way, it seems, where the pharmaceuticals are so powerful and so rich, and they they end up working for the CDC and for the NIH to make their own companies more money. And it's just disgusting. And then you move into an era like COVID, and all of a sudden, man, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars, which you probably were already, but you're talking about condensing 20 years of billions of dollars into 2. And and man, it gets it the corruption stinks to high heaven. Well, it it gets overwhelming
1: in the book. I would think so. That because what what everything you're saying is true, but then on top of that you add the fact that all of these Silicon Valley people made billions mm-hmm. off, of, off of being a part of the game, of censoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. And <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's frustrating because the, the core parts of the book that are talking about the specifics of COVID and the, the political corruption and the government agency corruption— in my mind, in hindsight, after reading the book, like you said, those are things that were like, yeah,
2: I we can know. see that. Mm-hmm. We kind
1: of knew that kind of stuff happens in Washington. But it's the other stuff that's terrifying. It's the other stuff of not just guys trying to look out for their bottom line and make money. You're talking about globally people dying. You're, you're talking about bean counters making decisions that affect people's lives. And you're talking about a a very serious attack. Not that that Fauci and the pharmaceuticals are in on the globalist agenda, but the people who are took advantage of this opportunity to start attacking freedoms and start attacking uh, liberty and things like that. Where it, in the book, it kind of all gets (laughs) slumped together Mm -hmm. just in a, in a, uh, uh, macro sense but so it gets confusing and it gets it gets yeah heady but it but it's 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 the points that are in there highlighting a bigger problem beyond just government corruption that i think is some of the pushback is coming from well if you open up that little yeah you open up this door epa corruption thing then we gotta acknowledge. It just
0: opens up door after door after yeah. door, right? I mean, right. that's that's what the swamp was supposed to be. Is that you, you, you dip one little toe in, and you're you're covered in slime. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it doesn't stop with one little thing. Yeah. Personally speaking, old Roy, how do you feel about doing your first interview? Um, that was pretty exciting. Do you, do you acknowledge that your phone went off four times in that interview? And and what can we do to solve that that I, problem? Well, because that one's much more local to us. But I, I feel like it's something we
1: should talk about publicly. The phone only went off three times. The watch went off. Oh, the fourth time. That's my mistake. That is your mistake. Yeah, fact checking. And the the problem is this this just further supports my uh, animus towards Android. Technology. Oh, I thought you were going to say the deep state got you your phone. They're probably involved. (laughs) I'm sure somehow they're involved in this. I gave up my Apple phone for a couple of days to try out this new thing. That was the wrong couple of days. And it's a disaster. And look, look, it's affected everything, including Mm -hmm. Robert Kennedy Jr.
0: Yeah, there are some people now who will not read the book and will not be enlightened because they heard your phone go off and they're like, this is unprofessional. This is a joke. This is a joke. Yeah. They've tuned out. They're not even listening to this part. I feel bad about it. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Uh, We will end on that. I want to make sure that always we end a show on somebody feeling bad, and usually that's old Roy, so thank you, and thank you for tuning in this week. We will see you next week. Weekends America. Get
2: more at 971talk.com